Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to my favourite work of art with me, Dr. Laura Jane Foley. Each week I'm joined in the studio by a guest who tells me all about an artwork that means something to them. Today, my guest is Paola Diana, the best-selling author, entrepreneur and philanthropist. Born in Italy, Paola studied politics at the University of Bologna before entering into the world of Italian politics. She was instrumental in the passing of an Italian law that requires every company board to have at least 30% female representation. She is a committed advocate for women's rights and campaigns for female empowerment. Paola wrote the book Saving the World, Women, the 21st Century Factor for Change. She is the founder and CEO of the Diana Group, which offers recruitment and lifestyle services. She regularly contributes to TV and radio in the UK and Italy, and in 2017 she was named on the prestigious Spears 500 list. I'm delighted she's joining me today. Welcome, Paola. Hello, thank you. So tell me, what is your favourite work of art? My favourite work of art is the Mona Lisa by Leonardo da Vinci. Wow, what a famous artwork. I would say describe it, but you know what? I think this is the first artwork that I've had on that I think every single person knows. Exactly, yeah. I mean, that that face, I mean, maybe we should describe describe it. How would you describe it? Yeah, so the Mona Lisa, in my opinion, is very special because uh, it's really intriguing. You can't understand if she's smiling mm. or if she's thinking. So she's very mystique, I would say. It's very mysterious. And I... I studied a lot of history because it's my favorite subject. And being Italian, of course, I studied a lot of the Renaissance period, you know, especially in Florence. And uh, and I loved uh, Leonardo da Vinci as a person, you know. So he wasn't only a painter. He was also a sculptor, a scientist, an engineer, a special effects uh, for theaters. And I can see in the face of the Mona Lisa, in her expression, I can see the the knowledge of this man, the knowledge of Leonardo. So I can see she's very quiet and calm. And it's like saying to you, I know it. I just know it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, it's it's such a famous painting. I mean, so she's a, it's a woman, a, a noble woman staring out. It's a portrait of a noble woman with a, a landscape in the background, staring out serenely. Um, and as you say, is she smiling? Is she not smiling? You know, if you look at her eyes and she's smiling, but then when you look down to her mouth, she's not smiling. It's a, exactly. an amazing trick that he's been able to pull off, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. But that's why, because he wasn't only a painter, he was so interested and curious in human nature that he was going around with his sketch uh, artwork and he used to t- sketch all people that he thought they were interesting when he was going to Milan or Florence. And I know that also he studied cadavers like bodies of dead people in order to understand which were the specific muscles in the face that that create a special expression. (laughs) 
And it's incredible because this piece of art was made during 15 years, actually 16, sorry. Mm-hmm. So between uh, um, 1503 and 1519 mm-hmm. when he died. So he had all the time of this world, you know, to really study mm-hmm. the human nature. And that's why I think it's so mysterious. And it, it always seems like she's looking at you mm-hmm. all the time. I remember, you know, when I first saw her, I was 10 years old. And I went to the Louvre in Paris. I was with my mother, uh, who, who was always bringing me to museums for hours. And you know, when you're a kid, you don't really like it as many times. <laughs> It's like maybe too much. But I remember I was captured by her immediately. And, uh, and I, I was sitting there in front of her and... I mean, at the time, there wasn't the bulletproof uh, um, glass in front of her. That is much better, I have to say, because you feel you're more close to this, you know, painting. Mm. Were there still lots of crowds, though? There was less crowd once. Yeah, definitely there was less crowd because I went many times at the Louvre and I can see now it's it's incredible. Mm. Seriously, you you can't even find the space in front of the glass sometimes, especially if you go during the weekend. And and that's really a shame because I think to fully understand paintings, you you should sit in front of them Mm. and just admire them and, and get lost in them. Definitely. This is what I usually do. And with the Mona Lisa, it's so it's so easy because, you know, the the shape of the landscape is like a dream. So it's like she she's here, she's there, she's without time. She could be anywhere at any time. So mm. you can definitely get lost in there and uh, and start dreaming and start, you know, giving her what you think, you know, the significance you think she has. Definitely. So, I mean, you must have known about the Mona Lisa before you saw her. What, was there anything that struck you the first time you saw it? Were you surprised by it in any way or...? The thing that surprised me when I was a child was the fact that she was observing me. She was really mm. staring at me. And I was like, how can it be possible? <laughs> This is mm. weird, you know? Mm. Mm. I mean, what struck me about the Mona Lisa is I'd, I'd always been told that she was it was very small. So I remember my parents saying, oh, it's, it's very, very small. You know, you're struck by how small it is. And so I was, so when I, I went, I when I went quite, when I was quite old, actually, I think I was um, in my 20s. And I was struck by how big it was because I was expecting almost a postcard size <laughs> image. And actually, I was surprised. And I, I came back and told everyone, oh, gosh, it's really big, the Mona Lisa. <laughs> I like this. So it, Everything really, is relative. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really some of these stories that build up around paintings. And I think with the Mona Lisa as well, a massive story built up around it because, of course, it was stolen. Yeah, that's why she became so famous. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and you, know, the, you know, I started by saying that you know, we, we all know what she looks like. But if another painting had been stolen, then it probably would have been that painting that we all obsessed over in the world and 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 we all know just by by saying but maybe it is something as well about the smile of her and the fact that it's a it's a woman and i'm i'm really interested that you've 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 chosen this iconic painting of a woman because of course you know empowering women is is so much of of what you do yeah it's so important for me to empower women this is my passion in life i think is my mission really and um and i think the mona lisa and the way she's uh, described she's definitely a powerful woman because mm. it's like she has a knowledge she she lived she saw what she had to see and she's calm she's quiet you know it's like she reached the kind of nirvana status i would say and um and leonardo as well as you know the the creator of this absolute masterpiece he was um, he was a very incredible person because actually he was gay and he was declared gay 
And, you know, in, uh, in the 14th century, 15th century in Florence, I mean, this was a crime. So can you imagine the courage of this person? But he was so famous and everyone used to love him. He was full of friends. So this kind of diversity of his community helped him, I think, to develop this kind of art and the way he was seeing people. As well, the way he paints, uh, he, he used to use this, um, how can I say in, in, in English, it's uh, sfumato. Yeah, so, so it's the same, yeah. I think we use the same word. Okay, in, in, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> the fuzzy, blurry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also this, I think it's, it's beautiful because it gives this mystery you know, to, this, uh, to this woman. And I think women, actually, we really are mysterious creatures. <laughs> I think you're very cl- complex. You know, you can't really put us in one box mm. and think, that we are all the same, we think all the same of everything. That's why actually it's very difficult for women to get empowered and reach uh, um, women's rights because during the centuries we were submitted and many women thought that traditions that were clearly made by men, as I wrote in my book, Saving the World, they thought that they were just the way, the only way they could live. So many women, they actually became more misogynistic than men. Mm. And uh, and for us, this was really a curse, I would say, because mm. even nowadays, unfortunately, not all women are feminists. So not all women understand the value of sisterhood. Absolutely. And I strongly believe that in order to achieve women's rights, not only here in the UK, but uh, around the world, we have to become sisters, mm. really strong sisters, help each other, you know, to raise, to lift each other's up and uh, and help up with when, when we fail down, you know, mm. because it happens to everyone. So we need more this kind of um, camaraderie, how do you say, you know? Yeah, and, camaraderie. camaraderie. So why do you think it is then that women are pitted against each other? I mean, I agree. I think that um, women are our worst critics. Yeah. Uh, why do you think that is? You think it's through I have my opinion. Um, it comes... Uh, again, through history and, uh, and traditions, basically women during the centuries, the millennia actually, they were allowed to be only wives or mothers. So this was their destiny. In order to become this, they had to choose the best spouse for them, the best husband. So they were in competition between each other and they were only thinking about the exterior, you know, factors. So beauty. So the way they they could, I mean, keep the household, you know, so they weren't educated. They weren't studying. We were kept outside, you know, the schools for centuries. And it's so sad. So we were kind of in the hands of this, you know, man who could do everything they wanted to us. And if you think about having children very early, as it used to, you know, to be in the past, and unfortunately used to be now, with this horrible child brides, you know, um, tradition, what can you do, you know, if you're not educated, if you're in competition with other women, if they tell you that the only thing, important thing in your life is to be beautiful and to serve your husband and to, uh, and to grow, uh, you know, to help your children in the house, come on, it's impossible to get empowered. It's completely impossible. Mm. So I think this is what we are bringing today. You know, I think it's kind of inside our DNA, this kind of competition between us for the best man. Mm. Yes. It is. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is. And I, I can't, you know, I, I can't stand this. And I always say, you know, that uh, women should be happy even alone. We don't need to have someone else in order to be happy. Happiness is inside yourself, mm. you know. And you can be an amazing, successful single woman. Actually, I'm single right now. <laughs> I don't know about you, but many people, you know, they interview me and they're like, oh, why you're single? If they ask me why, I'm like shocked, you know, because actually for me, it should be the 
opposite way around, you know, should be like, <laughs> wow, you achieved so much in your life. You know, maybe you're single because your standards are so high, you know, <laughs> but you don't want to settle for less. Absolutely. But these are, I, I think, cultural, you know, little steps that we have to mm. do and we have to still work on it. Mm. And uh, but talking about this with everyone. So mm. talking with you now, mm. it's it's amazing because we really need to change the public opinion. Yes, no, I agree. And I think this painting, I mean, years ahead of his time, he was because while she is, uh, we know uh, if through provenance, through history, we do know she was married, that she was the wife of a, a wealthy man in Florence. But she is depicted alone. She's not depicted as a wife. She's not depicted as a mother. She's depicted for herself, La Gioconda, you know, uh, it is her, it is the Mona Lisa. And uh, not defined by anyone else, not defined in relationship to anybody else, I don't think. I I think her her name as well is quite interesting because it's similar to the Jocund or, you know, the Gioconda, the laughing, jovial. And so he is referencing referencing again that smile, uh, the, you know, that, that is it smiling? Is it happiness? Uh, she is she is undoubtedly um, beautiful. But it, it's not about that, isn't it? It's not, the beauty doesn't come from her face. But actually, one thing that I love, yeah, I think the beauty here comes from um, her emotions, mm. especially, and uh, her status of calm and being calm and confident. But what I like about this kind of beauty, because actually she was... Uh, considered a beautiful woman is also that you see her body is a normal round body of a Mediterranean woman you know and if you think the struggle we ha- we go through nowadays you know in the, especially in the western world when we have to be skinny you know like skeletons mm-hmm. and then we need to have uh, the plastic surgery <laughs> to have you know the body of a kind of a plastic doll and now in America is this you know craziness of the buttocks uh, surgery <laughs> I mean I'm like <laughs> seriously poor us <laughs> I think in, during this period we were living a better life <laughs> I tell you at least from this point of view you know <laughs> so you see there is always a struggle in the modern life and and I, I, I love to see you know this kind of beauty I mean I, I really love her thank you so much for choosing such an iconic painting today we were talking about the Mona Lisa or La Gioconda by Leonardo da Vinci probably the most famous painting in the world Painted sometime between 1503 and 1517, da Vinci's masterpiece is thought to be a portrait of an Italian noblewoman named Lisa del Giocondo. The painting measures 30 inches by 21 inches and has been on display at the Louvre in Paris since 1797. Although a respected work by a famed artist, the Mona Lisa was just one of many celebrated works in the Louvre up until the start of the 20th century. In August 1911, the painting was stolen from the gallery and wasn't returned until January 1914. The Mona Lisa became front-page news and her enigmatic smile was famous around the world. At the Louvre, visitors queued up just to see the empty space where the Mona Lisa had hung. Now safely displayed in a box behind bulletproof glass, around six million people view the oil painting at the Louvre every single year. If you would like to see the artwork we were discussing this week or carry on the conversation further, you can find me on Twitter, at Laura Jane Foley. And if you want to discuss the show, please use the hashtag MyFavouriteWorkOfArt. The show was recorded at Wisebudder in London. The title music is Blue from Colours by Dimitri Scarlatto. I hope you'll be able to join me next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.